0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In these tough economic times, everyone could use a little more coin, it seems. Your house is probably worth a lot less than it was just a year ago. Your employer may have cut back on your work hours or on your salary And unless you're far more brilliant than 99% of us, your retirement savings have probably taken a pretty severe hit, too. I figure that I'll have mine back to tuna fish and pork and beans territory about the time I hit 87 or 88. (laughs) We want to be good stewards of the resources that God has provided us for our labor, of course. We want to be both wisely cautious and faithfully generous at the same time. This is especially so when we are concerned about how our resources can be used to meet both our worldly needs as well as God's directive to spread the gospel. That's a challenge that can lead to much temptation, certainly. And it happens all the more when we're in a time when it's not appropriate to throw money around carelessly. Caution and prudence are in order, it seems. We all want to find a good deal. We all would like to find a bargain. 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, Judas wasn't quite so cautious with money or with anything else for that matter. In fact, he was sinfully reckless. Right from the moment that he first hatched his plan to betray Jesus, the Jewish authorities. First, he threw aside three years of teachings and revelations and miracles that Jesus had spoken and provided in the sight and hearing of his disciples and many others. Judas also ignored the fulfillment of all those prophecies concerning the Christ, every one of which would have their complete realization in Jesus alone. Judas also rejected the plain language that Jesus had spoken to communicate just what sort of Savior he was going to be and what that type of Savior would mean to Judas and to the rest of the world. Finally, though, Judas brought his rebellious heart and mouth to the chief priests and the elders, and he bartered away the eternal Son of the Heavenly Father for a few months' worth of worldly wages. Those 30 pieces of silver are the coins that are spoken about in our gospel lesson tonight. Those coins being gathered from the temple floor by the chief priests. You see, Judas, who was remorseful for his betrayal, but not trusting that even this great treachery could be forgiven by an all-loving and all-forgiving God, had attempted to return his ill-gotten gains. He'd come to realize that he could not undo what it was he had started, the impending condemnation and death of Jesus. But maybe Judas somehow thought that he could undo the wrongdoing, or at least minimize it by returning the loot, and this would somehow unburden his soul. But it didn't work. Because the forgiveness of sins requires not just repentance, but also faith. And Judas had lost his faith in Jesus. Throwing the money down in the temple, Judas stormed out of the house of the Lord, and he ran headlong down the road to hang himself and to be delivered to the gates of hell instead. Having already stooped down to bribery in order to obtain Jesus' betrayal at the hands of Judas, and then further lowering themselves with lies and with pride and with ignorance, to arrive at his conviction on false charges. It certainly wasn't above those chief priests to stoop down onto the temple floor to pick up the coins of Judas' money. Notice that they don't even try to put a spin of legitimacy on the payments that they had made to Judas. They openly discuss the fact that it was blood money. It was unsuitable to be used in the Lord's work because it had a tainted history, after having purchased their enemy's life. So concerned they were with appearances and with rules. It was perfectly fine, they thought, to use the Lord's money to condemn an innocent man if it met their needs. Yet these very same coins couldn't possibly be introduced back into the temple treasury now that they had accomplished their evil purpose with them. To do such a thing would disrupt their carefully crafted legalism, It would mix the impurity of Judas' greed and disloyalty with the purity of life and religion that they had deluded themselves into thinking that they had created for themselves. Blood money it was, and they freely admitted this. So, dear Christian, what is your blood money? What will you admit to What do you freely take from the Lord and use for your own selfish purposes apart from his will and then refuse to return for his use? What are you afraid will upset your delicate balance on the tightrope that you've strung for for yourselves across the abyss of hell? What means do you use to send Jesus to that cross? It doesn't have to be so obvious an answer as money alone, of course. Although I'm sure that we can all find many ways to use that means of exchange to accomplish our own purposes, apart from God's will and God's word and God's good intentions, there are also plenty of other ways that we can do this. Maybe it's words that you hand out instead, using them to maneuver and to manipulate others into accomplishing what you want, or perhaps to wound them or to harm them in other ways and torment them. Maybe you use time. Maybe you waste it, this precious, irreplaceable time that the Lord gives you, and you misallocate it instead of spending it on useful and God-pleasing things. Maybe it's your intellect, as you fill your mind with minutia about sports or celebrities or politics, and yet you can't explain to your neighbor why knowing Christ crucified for sinners like you and me and them is the only thing that really matters. Yes, we are all treacherous Judases, and we are all also high priests, presiding over temples of our own choosing, looking respectable and presentable to others, perhaps, but harboring deep, dark corruption deep within us. Who? Me? Betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver? Never. Ah. But betray him for 30 pages of trashy fiction, for 30 minutes of extra sleep, for 30 days of self generated righteousness, for 30 insulting laughs at the expense of others. No problem there. It doesn't take a lot for us to betray Jesus. For sin is sin, and we all sin much daily. Whatever form our blood money takes, wherever it comes from and wherever it goes, it's Jesus who is going to end up paying for it all. He's the one that's got to settle all accounts. Between Judas and the priests, the price to be settled upon was those 30 pieces of silver between the son and the father the price was Jesus' holy innocent bitter sufferings and death his precious blood shed for you as his body was given to redeem you from a debt that you could not pay for yourself to purchase your body and your soul away from death and the devil a deal that you couldn't bargain your way out of Between you and God, though, the price is exactly nothing at all. It's grace, freely given. It's undeserved love and mercy, lavished down upon you in quantities more than you could buy with 30 trillion pieces of silver, or with living 30 pious lives, or giving 30 worlds, or even 30 universes. Thirty pieces of worldly silver purchased the betrayal of our heavenly Lord's precious blood. And that innocent, priceless blood of Jesus, shed on the cross, bought you back from sin, death, and the devil. That's his gift to you, no matter how you failed him, no matter how you betrayed him. I think that's the bargain of the lifetime. I think that's a deal that you can live with forever. Amen.